Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Right, so I don't have a parent question for this one, but I did have a parent in clinic that asked me to cover this topic, and she said it was okay that I shared her story a little bit in the beginning, so I thought that we could start. Um, so this is a mom. She has two five-year-old kids. One has a history of autism spectrum disorder, and she's a single parent, and she's raising them on her own. And growing up, she's had trouble with drug abuse um, and was briefly in prison just for about five months or so related to that. And about a year ago, the boy's father was murdered near where they live. And so she was talking to me a lot about fear of this really difficult upbringing um, influencing her boy's development. Well, those are a lot of stresses in one family. Wow. A lot of stressors, yeah. yeah. So this is a a really, really difficult situation, and um, that's why today we're going to be talking about trauma and its influence on development. So we're recording this episode in April 2020, and right now we're all living under the within the COVID-19 pandemic, and a lot of people and parents are asking questions about what like the influence of these really stressful times can have on their kids' health and development. Yeah, it's a really stressful time. And for many, this can lead to worsening of existing mental health difficulties. And we know that many families are having financial hardships because of the lockdown. And there's so many other challenges at home with the parents and the kids all together all the time. Yeah. And so aside from all of these traumas that have been happening Previously, now we may be at even increased risk for having them. And so we really wanted to spend this episode talking about trauma and adverse childhood experiences. And some of our listeners may have heard them referred to as ACEs, which is what it stands for. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about what ACEs are, how they impact health, and what we can do to really minimize their effects. And joining us um, for this episode is Dr. Vidi Javari. She's a UC Davis Children's Hospital pediatric resident, and she will soon be a hospitalist at Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. So thank you, Vidi, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So Dr. Vidi, tell us why this is an important topic for you. Yeah, so I think that it's so prevalent. So common. Sometimes when people think of traumatic events, they think of things like abuse or a horrific accident, like I talked about with my patient story or like a school shooting. But really, trauma is nuanced and it's common. And like you said, all of us, I'm sure, have seen many kids and probably loved ones in our own lives that have experienced this. I think we should spend a little bit of time in the beginning to um, talk about ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, and the study um, that sort of brought all of this to light. Right. So many people refer to this really landmark study. This was published in 1998 um, and then has received a lot of attention since then. It was one of the largest investigations of childhood 
um, abuse, neglect, household challenges, and how these factors all influence later life health and well-being in really surprising ways. Yeah, it was a huge survey. 17,000 people were surveyed. And so a lot of times when we're looking at literature, we're like, how powerful is the study? This, This had a ton of people included. They assessed participants on whether they had experienced a number of childhood stressors, including uh, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, abuse of a parent, having a parent with substance abuse problems, a parent with mental illness, a parent that went uh, that was in jail, or physical, emotional neglect. So, for example, not having someone to take you to the doctor when you were sick. Those were kind of like the big items, which obviously you think of those things, those are really traumatic, right? Like you're witnessing domestic violence in the home or you're experiencing abuse yourself as a child. So those were the things that were surveyed in the initial study. And um, we know that this was done a while ago. Since then, they've looked at things like food insecurity or growing up in an unsafe neighborhood or racism or a lot of other what we call social determinants of health. And they've shown that these are also risk factors, but they were not included in this original study that we're talking about. So going back to the original study, what did this initial study find and how common are adverse childhood experiences in the general population? So the numbers that they found were two-thirds of the people that were surveyed in the initial study had one or more ACE, and more than one in eight people reported experiencing four or more ACEs. And they found that these adverse experiences affect all communities. So the original study was conducted in a population that was majority Caucasian, mostly middle class, uh, college-educated, and had private health insurance. But later studies have found that there are uh, higher prevalence rates of ACEs in communities that have people of color, uh, low-income communities, or LGBTQ communities. Yeah, I mean, it's totally mind-blowing when you think about those numbers. I mean, two-thirds of people, like there's three of us here on the screen, um, or one in eight experiencing four or more, and those are like really profound traumas that were listed in this study. So, that and, and that's is, a best case scenario considering right. the population that was studied. Right, exactly. The population was it was done at with Kaiser, which some people may know, may not may not know, but um, that's a, a private health insurance company that usually you know people are employed at least that do that. And you also think about sampling bias. So some people may not want to be really forthcoming on surveys. If anything, you would assume that they're going to under-report as opposed to over-report. Um, so it's it's really wild. But what's even more powerful was when they looked at long-term health outcomes for this group of people and how trauma early in life, even when they kind of controlled for other risk factors, seemed to cause them to be at increased risk for certain negative health outcomes later in life. Yeah, that's right. The number of ACEs that a person experienced as a child was linked to increased likelihood of developing certain conditions in a dose-dependent manner. So that means the more experiences or ACEs that you had, the more likely you were to develop some of these other conditions. Yeah, and there were some really concerning findings that um, really happened more than expected. So things like increased risk of mental health problems such as um, depression, 
uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and suicide, alcohol, and drug abuse. Right, but even more alarming than those results were increased risk of cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, pregnancy complications, STDs. The list is goes on and on and is pretty incredible. And since the original study was published, there have been more and more associations that have been found. So um, not just sort of mental health outcome issues, there are sort of physical health outcome issues as well. Um, some of the findings that, um, that have been found, so people are three times as likely to have chronic lower respiratory disease, like COPD, two to two and a half times as likely to have stroke, cancer, or heart disease, um, one and a half times as likely to have diabetes, 38 times as likely to attempt suicide, 11 times as likely to have Alzheimer's or another dementia. And what I think is just the most profound sort of statistic is individuals with six or more ACEs have a life expectancy that's 19 years shorter than individuals with none. I mean, you think about like living through multiple of those experiences and how horrible it must be for a child, but you don't think about them growing up and all of the adverse effects. I think more about the mental health, maybe even substance abuse, things like that, but you don't think about like cancer and diabetes. And so it's it's really, really interesting. Really profound. Really, ha- These are all having such profound impacts. But do we know why this happens? So like what happens physiologically to people that experience this repetitive trauma? Yeah, we know a little. Um, So in a normal stress response, your brain tells your adrenal gland to release this hormone called cortisol, um, which amongst doing a few other things, it activates your sort of fight or flight response. Um, So normally as a threat passes, that cortisol level falls and then you can relax. But when a threat occurs over and over again, it can cause this overactivation and a constant release of cortisol and a couple of other hormones. And these persistently high levels cause all of these um, sort of physical changes, including weight gain. Um, You can damage your blood vessels, uh, leading to hypertension, things like that. Well, it's really interesting to tie these stressors physiologically to then these really adverse outcomes later. Why talk about ACEs and trauma now? I mean, it's important to talk about any time, but like we discussed at the beginning, in the setting of this current pandemic that we're living through, many families are stuck at home. They're experiencing strain financially, mentally, they're having job loss, sometimes food insecurity. All of our mental health is being tested. So we really wanted to arm parents with information about how to mitigate toxic stress, which is sort of these these really hard things that we deal with as best they can. We know, we have the full knowledge to know that it's a societal issue as well as an individual issue. And so we all need to work together to fix these underlying problems. So let's talk about toxic stress some more and explore that. What What is that? Yeah. So toxic stress is the frequent experiences of trauma that are not buffered by a caring adult in one's life. So like um, Dr. Vidi talked about, this is like can lead to persistently activated stress response. 
in kids. And like in the end, if you're experiencing this toxic stress like over and over, so never knowing how your parent is going to react when you come home or, um, you know, be living in constant fear of something, then you have long-term changes in not only the developing brain, but also your metabolic system, your immune system, your neuroendocrine system, and even interestingly, not your DNA itself, but the way that your DNA is sort of like red to make proteins and other things, even that can be changed in the setting of toxic stress. And so we talked about the initial study, what they included as adverse childhood experiences, but it could also be those other social determinants of health that I mentioned before, like experiencing racism or never feeling secure when you go outside of your house or never knowing when your next meal is going to come. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of people don't quite realize what their child is experiencing can be considered trauma. Um, but I think we should also be clear for most kids um, that are experiencing this time and kind of going through all of this, this is not trauma. This is more spending time with, you know, their loving uh, caregivers, uh, having sort of stimulated experiences. Yeah, they're having fun. They're they're playing and they're they're really getting to bond more with their parents than normal. So not hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we are currently living through a disaster. And the definition of a disaster is a one time or ongoing events of human or natural cause that lead groups of people to experience stressors, including the threat of death bereavement, disrupted social support systems, and insecurity of basic human needs such as food, water, housing, and access to close family members. And just as an aside, I mean, what toilet paper? What about that? I mean, that's like (laughs) this coronavirus thing. Everybody's like worried about that too. It's, It's like one more thing to worry about. I think the harder thing is the access to close family members. We don't have that right now, you know, and... It's, it's just, it's really hard to stay away from people that could provide some of that support. So many kids will experience things as a result of this pandemic. And, and just like Dr. Lena mentioned, we'll most likely be seeing secondary effects of this disaster popping up. And unfortunately, we will most likely be seeing them for quite some time. You know, the secondary effects can be pretty significant. Um, I saw one study that looked at households on the Gulf Coast after Hurricane Katrina, and they kind of looked at, I, I don't know, I don't remember the exact time frame after the event. I think it was maybe a year or so after. Yeah, I think it was six months to a year. Six months to a year. It showed an increase um, in marital stresses, domestic violence, and parental mental health problems, which are all... Um, or domestic violence and parental mental health can fall under those adverse childhood experiences, definitely. So it's something that we all need to keep on our radar as we come out of this. Right. So I think this is something that really should be stressed. Um, Safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments, things that can make a child feel safe emotionally, physically, all of these things are protective. They can protect the child's brain and their bodies from all of these harmful effects of stress. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a parent, although that's obviously the most natural person in in the child's life. It can be another stable adult. It can be a grandparent. It can be um, a mentor. But 
but I mean, really you would like the person to be living with the child if possible, but any stable adult is better than nothing for these kids. Right. And, and some helpful strategies, including both the parent and the child working towards healthy nutrition, regular exercise, restful sleep, um, all of these things, building strong relationships and getting mental health support, they can all help in decreasing these stress hormones and preventing all of these health problems that we talked about. They have looked and I've seen that some children seem to do well despite having these really adverse experiences as children. And they're trying to look into this resilience and why some of these kids tend to do so well in this adaptive response to serious hardship. And so we are studying that and seeing if there are any tools to see if we can arm other children with these with these skills. Mm -hmm. So all three of us are in California where we have the ACE Aware campaign, and this is encouraging primary care providers, so doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs, to really screen for these experiences in the medical office and to offer tools to support families through these. So in certain areas, you may experience your physician asking some of these difficult questions. Definitely. And on the ACE Aware website, which is posted on our website, there is a really great self-care toolkit that they provide for both parents and kids. And I thought that we could read through just a few of the examples of each little bullet point for you. So there's a tab that talks about healthy relationships. And it says that we, meaning the parent and the child, usually have set a goal of And just a few examples are using respectful communication, even when we're upset or angry. Another one is making time to see friends to create a healthy support system for myself and our family. Mm -hmm. Or there's an exercise um, section that talks about limiting screen time or walking at least 20 minutes a day. There is a nutrition section that talks about eating a healthy breakfast daily, drinking water instead of juice or soda, eating five vegetables or fruits every day. For sleeping, it says we've set a goal of turning off screens 30 minutes before bedtime, creating a calm place for sleep. So for some of us, that might be like, duh, but in some of these situations, they're all sharing a room you know, multiple siblings, you need to sleep in one bed together. So making sure that you create that that space just for your child and you so that you guys really are able to to calm down and get a reset and get a restful night's sleep. Yeah. One of the things I like about this is it gives you, it's, it's like a menu. So it gives you a bunch of choices. And so you don't have to be intimidated by it. For example, with the mindfulness, you might think, oh, does that mean I have to like start meditating and devoting a bunch of time to that? And sure, that would be Great, but you could also just find at least one thing to be thankful for each day. I think that's a a, a nice, sweet um, thing to do. Yeah, it's not challenging, and it it's something that you feel like you can do. There's also a mental health section here, which is so important. So even as much as learning more about mental health treatment options or identifying a person in your community, it's not even you know it's not even that you have to go. It's like just know what's out there for you. So kids can benefit from working with a therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Preferably, it would be someone who is trained in trauma therapy, such as a trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy or parent-child interaction therapy. 
But if you ever feel like you're in crisis or need immediate help, please reach out. We'll give you a few numbers um, for that. So there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That's 800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E, 7233. And we'll post all these numbers on our website. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E, or 4673. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K, or 8255. And to reach a crisis text line, text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. All of those numbers and many more resources, including the toolkit that we read some of the examples from, will be posted on our website. Um, In addition, if you are feeling overwhelmed during this time or you feel like there's risk for any trauma or adversity in your own home, please reach out to your primary care provider, your therapist, your psychiatrist in a time of crisis. They're all appropriate and can help guide you to get more urgent help. And there's also local mental health facilities um, that can do more urgent assessments um, during this time as well. This is something that's okay and safe to do even during this time. The um, risk of exposure to coronavirus is much less than the risk of a significant mental health crisis. So we definitely encourage you getting help. So let's summarize today's episode on adverse childhood experiences. Early childhood trauma and toxic stress are prevalent with as many as two-thirds of people experiencing one or more of these events. Living through adverse childhood experiences puts you at risk for increased likelihood of many chronic medical conditions, including mental health disorders, cancer, heart disease, lung disease, and many more. Building resilience and coping strategies can help reduce the way your body responds to toxic stress. And there's a variety of ways you can go about doing this. So check out our website for more information. And if you feel that you or your child is experiencing any of these traumas, please reach out to their healthcare or mental health providers. And together we can work to reduce adverse childhood experiences and the impact that they have. And we would like to thank Dr. Marsha Unger, a psychiatrist at UC Davis Medical Center, for reviewing this episode, although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. And also thank Dr. Amviti Javari for being a guest on this episode. Thank you, Dr. Vidi. Thank you. And that reminds me of <laughs> a joke. <laughs> yes. Do you know why horses tend to have much better mental health than other farm animals? Why? Because of their stable environment. (laughs) Oh, God. I didn't know if you were going to be able to find a joke for this one, but you were. Well, I also wanted to share, sort of as our extra time, the story that I talked about in the beginning of the session and just say how amazing this mom has been doing Um, She has completely committed to addressing some of the traumas that these little boys have experienced in their life so far by getting into, Dr. Vidi had mentioned some like parent-child interaction therapies. So that is a type of therapy that can kind of help coach you through parenting and the way that you respond to the some of your child's actions, even with just like a therapist in your ear on a headset and they watch you interact with your child. So she 
has done that. She um, has shown up for every doctor's appointment. She has signed these boys up for different after-school activities and mentorship opportunities. And um, the boys are really, really thriving. And I think that this is just one success story of how acknowledging traumatic events early on can really totally change the trajectory of your child's life. That's really nice to hear because um, those are a lot of a lot of stressors. Yeah. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.